Hello and welcome to American Riviera Bank's Regional Pulse. This is Laurel Sykes, Chief Risk Officer for the bank. Today my guest is Rick Bowler from the Santa Barbara Bowl, one of the premier outdoor concert venues in the country. Rick has been the Executive Director of the Bowl for over 10 years, but has been with the Bowl in a variety of capacities for over 20. Welcome, Rick. Thank you. So, Rick, how about you give us a little bit of historical perspective on the Santa Barbara Bowl? How has it grown over the years that you've been here? For sure. So the, the bowl was built in 1936. Uh, we were built as a WPA project originally for approximately $100,000. Um, if you're familiar with WPA projects, it was a, an environment where um, construction projects were created to um, put money back into the economy and create jobs. So uh, many really impressive venues, um, one of which being ours, was constructed during that time. So in terms of uh, the history of the bowl here, um, how have you watched it grow over the last few years? So the bowl in um, the early 90s when um, the Santa Barbara Bowl Foundation took over from the county of Santa Barbara was in uh, total disrepair um, after a number of years of being inactive and operating uh, in a capacity that maybe it wasn't originally intended to mm -hmm. operate as um, the facility needed to be renovated. Over the course of a number of years, between 1995 and 2014, uh, the Bull Foundation raised approximately $40 million. Wow. Yeah, that $40 million went uh, into the renovation and rest restoration of the facility and, uh, and brought us to the place that we are today. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, I remember coming to the Bull long before the remodel project. In fact, I still struggle not calling it the County Bull. The County Bull. Yeah. A lot of folks still call yeah. it the County Bull. Yeah, um, I came here for many years um, to concerts, and I'm looking forward to doing that again. For sure. Um, so in terms of, of, of the, the concert venue, um, what sort of shows are you anticipating seeing over this season? This season looks a lot different, um, not necessarily in the, in the entertainment diversity and the presentations, but just in the schedule more mm -hmm. than anything. Uh, we are getting started late just based on everything we've been up against in the last uh, you know year and a half mm -hmm. uh, so we'll have probably about 20 performances 20 to 22 performances between now and the first week in November Wow uh, those will begin August 21st uh, over the course of about 75 days you'll see a variety of performances that range from comedy to um, our annual mariachi festival mm -hmm. um, artists like John Legend and Fish and uh, Gary Clark Jr. just to, to name a few that's great. That's great. So talk to me a little bit about how the um, calendar usually goes for events for, for a non-COVID year. Yeah. Traditionally, um, pre-pandemic, we would open right around the first week in April, and we'd stay open until um, about November 1st. Um, an average of 35 performances would come through the facility and, and right around 150,000 patrons uh, in any given year. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, how many did the facility used to be able to hold before the remodel? Oh, gosh, well, so our capacity is is basically unchanged. Mm -hmm. You know, just a few probably different uh, in, in the seat renovations and, and configurations and upgrades. But um, in those early years, we were doing a lot less performances. We might be doing 12 to 15 performances and maybe only 40,000 people wow. uh, at that time. So the, the interest has grown. Mm -hmm. The ability to accommodate larger scale artists has grown from a production standpoint. Uh, and, um, and people are enjoying coming out to see live shows for sure. That's great. That's great. So demand is high. 
demand for for this year in particular um, I mean it had we had we had been having a lot of interest and success in 2019 mm-hmm. live music was getting to its it, a peak really mm-hmm. I mean that was a way that artists were making their money yeah. mostly uh, and then now uh, coming out of the pandemic and, and people starting to uh, be able to go to live shows again, people are very interested. Folks are very interested in, in seeing events. I bet. I know. Yeah. I know I am. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, and I understand that there's a couple of these shows that actually had to be canceled last year and rescheduled because of the event. How, how did that impact you? So um, when when uh, we started uh, the, the pandemic, when, it, when things first came along and we were having to cancel shows, a lot of artists were trying to figure out what they were going to do with their tours. Mm-hmm. Um, and at first, they uh, a lot of artists made decisions to put put them off, reschedule them for a few months down the line, and then reschedule them again. Mm-hmm. And um, in certain cases, like John Legend is one that stands out. Um, he was scheduled for September of 2020, oh, wow. and then now has been moved to uh, September of 2021. That's great. That's great. So, talk to me a little bit about how the COVID nineteen p- pandemic has also impacted uh, the bowl beyond just sure. um, the inability to have shows. Yeah, the the Santa Barbara Bowl Foundation is a nonprofit, a five hundred one c three. So, in addition to operating uh, the facility and uh, presenting performances here, uh, we also have a whole um, foundation uh, aspect to what we do. Um, our mission is uh, focused around presenting diverse performances. Uh, renovating and keeping the facility as um, premier as possible, keeping mm-hmm. keeping it one of the leading uh, venues uh, out there in, in the industry, and then supporting youth performing arts. And that's a really big component of what we do. So um, during this last year, we, we've been closed um, and hadn't done any performances since October of 2019, wow. believe it or not, wow. at the end of our, our last season. Um, so we shifted and uh, really uh, made a commitment to continue focusing on supporting youth performing arts in the community. Um, we also took advantage of the time frame that uh, we had without any performances uh, and um, started a major renovation project uh, that involved some retaining walls to, uh, to secure a hillside that we had that slid. Uh, as well as a storage enclosure, um, and then built the first two phases of a major three-phase solar project um, oh, wow. that, that we're excited to have completed. Um, it'll be completed in full at the end of um, our next off-season. So um, between now and uh, 2022, uh, April of 2022, we expect that to be done too. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I can imagine that that's going to have a big impact because of all the lights and the sound yeah. and the electrical. So how does how does that yeah. solar project um how are you anticipating that it's going to help? With the solar project, we were very fortunate to have it funded by the Elaine Stepanek Foundation in full. Um, and so all three phases have been paid for wow. uh, at this point. And um, the first two phases included uh, an installation on our um, Scranton Overlook building, which is up above at the bowl on the Overlook, and um, also on our Spotlight platform. Uh, this third major phase will take place and be behind the stage on the hillside, um, where it won't be terribly visible, but it'll be really effective. So what we hope uh, when all this is, is done is that we will um, be able to um, produce an amount of energy that's similar to that that we consume here at the at the bowl. So not only um, on our show nights, which are, um, you know, they can, they can uh, use a lot of energy, uh, but on a day-to-day uh, 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 on a day-to-day level, we have quite a bit of energy between all of our buildings that gets consumed. Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's really exciting. Yeah. That's yeah. going to be fun to see. And yeah, it's right. always nice when we have sustainability. 
Absolutely. That's a, that's a huge component uh, to what we do. Um, the greening of the facility, mm -hmm. uh, we have a variety of, um, of uh, things that we do to uh, reduce our footprint, whether it be the trash sorting that takes place each and every event, our reusable pint cups uh, that we implemented a few years ago within the, the concert industry was something that, that we were um, we, we were really excited to introduce into the community. Um, things like um, uh, weed abatement with uh, sheep and, and things things oh, like that. Yeah, yeah. so we, we really um, paid a lot of attention to our greening uh, yeah, initiatives that's too. Fantastic. Yeah. That's fantastic. And, and you know, make they make lemonade out of lemons, right? During that downtime, for yeah. sure. Yeah, we, we um, you know, believe it or not, um, we were... We were going to begin uh, this construction project uh, during the season and um, pause and start again in between performances, and this uh, this provided a, a way for us to get it done sooner and save some uh, money on the cost. That's great. Yeah. You know, I know a lot of um, nonprofits in the community have been struggling because they haven't been able to put on their fundraising events, mm -hmm. and maybe um, fundraising is off. How has the, the pandemic affected the foundation, the ability to get volunteers, um, to continue to raise money for um, projects? So um, we, we as an organization, um, traditionally fundraised uh, for our uh, initiatives. Mm -hmm. So the facility upgrades, the um, outreach, the, youth, the support of youth performing arts, and the money that was um, uh, produced from uh, events would go into paying for the overhead uh, of running the facility, uh, salaries, utilities, insurance, that sort of thing. For the first time, we were put in a position where we had to begin fundraising for operating expenses. Mm -hmm. um, so that was a, a new a new situation for us, and um, we're very grateful to the community for their support uh, and um, and giving in, in such a strong way that helped us get through this last year. We did have reserves that we were relying on, and uh, we did have reserves that we were relying on um, in case of a rainy day situation uh, and, and had to tap into those. So at this point, we are uh, now looking to replenish those reserves. That's great. Um, and at the end of the podcast, we will give people some information about how they can support the oh, pool and, and its initiative. <laughs> um, speaking of initiatives, uh, talk to me a little bit about how you think the supporting the, the youth performing arts is going to be impacted um, or has already been impacted um, in light of COVID and, and the schools, sure. you know, being Zoom and all of that. Yeah, it was, uh, I mean, we, uh, when we completed our, uh, our master plan in 2014, we had spent a lot of time focusing energy on renovating and restoring the facility. Um, we had developed our youth outreach program, uh, always with the intention to then focus on that and give back to the community once we um, once we completed those major capital projects. So uh, when it came time to step up during the pandemic, uh, we, we really made an effort and a commitment to continue our grant programs. Uh, and we saw a need in the community mm -hmm. and uh, gave back through that. Um, we did uh, we did actually, throughout the pandemic, continue those programs. Uh, and uh, I didn't really, didn't uh, other than having to adjust budgets for, um, you know, less performances mm -hmm. and uh, reallocate funds between the programs, uh, we didn't pause uh, on those. That's great. Yeah. That's great. So um, how do you foresee the, the performing arts for, for the youth um, coming out of this what do you what do you think is going to be the oh, next 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 thing to think about with our youth gosh i mean it, it, whether it be youth performing arts or venues or or um, you know all of the above 
there's a variety of, of experiences that our people are having out there. I mean, a lot of folks had to refocus mm-hmm. and um, take their programs online um, and 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 did thrive in some cases. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then there are others that that unfortunately didn't survive. And and so I think that remains to be seen as to where it will be once all this is in the rearview mirror for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's unfortunate that anybody had to suffer, um, yeah. you know, in that way. Yeah. Um, I know my daughter was at La Colina this uh-huh. last year um, and playing in the band. Yes. So it was really interesting seeing how they came together and created, um, you know, the, the ability to do their performances from their, their bedrooms yeah. um, and, you know, figuring things out. Like when you're playing a, a trumpet next to somebody else's um, instrument trying to sync them up yep. it was really amazing to watch i think the program they used was something called genulus yep i think that i've heard that and and the amount the sheer amount of creativity that so many organizations yeah. have um have implemented has been out of this world and and uh, and we've seen some really really cool ideas and, yeah. and 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 for a lot of kids a lot of youth out there it it may have been a really saving yeah. uh you know saving thing for them you know as they were staying home and they were able to still continue with their their whether it be their instruments or or theater or whatever it was their interest was yeah i know when when we were finally back in school um in that in this last quarter it was so great to drive up every day and see you know her band students sitting out in chairs on the lawn so they could actually be together in person emotional right i mean yeah it was emotional for a lot of folks and, and just having that that contact after being separate for a long time what do you think the impact has been on the performers, um, on the you know the artists? I know this had to have been probably hardest on you know live music, um, live theater because of the indoor um, implications. Obviously, we're outdoor here. You're right. But um, any good stories to share about? Well, gosh, I mean, when when uh, when the pandemic first started to come on when we start first started talking about COVID in, in March of 2020 um, there was a a real thought that this wasn't going to last very long yeah. and, and that's not just in our industry yeah. that was with everybody and, and so we were we were talking about it and we were planning for two weeks down the road or a month down the road and then it became two months down the road and three months down the road there was a lot of speculation around when can we get back to business mm-hmm. uh, it it soon became pretty clear that there wasn't going to be a concert season for the Santa Barbara Bowl in, in 2020. Yeah. Uh, and I think the artists, at least the artists that are touring at the level of uh, the size venue that we, we are, um, went through that same sort of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, they rescheduled those dates like we talked about previously. Um, but they did want to get out and work. I mean, yeah. they wanted to get out and work not only to uh, you know share their product, but they also, they also had have bills to pay just mm-hmm. like everybody else. Right. Mm-hmm. And, um, staff and, and, and all the rest of it. So, uh, I mean, I, I think, I think everybody took a hit across the board, whether it be the artists or the agents and managers and the venues, uh, we all saw that. And so as a result, now that we're into 2021 and shows are beginning to start to happen, uh, there's definitely a pent up, um, uh, interest mm-hmm. in, in getting back out there on the road. So not only are we see, going to see, um, a busy fall, but I anticipate 2022 is going to be 
really, really busy. I mean, because because those artists that weren't able to commit to a fall play date are already now holding dates for 2022. Oh, wow. Do you see more interest in this particular venue because it is outdoors from the artists themselves? I mean, we sure have that going for us, Mm -hmm. by all means. The size that we are, um, just under 5,000, the outdoor aspect of it, uh, it, 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 there are a lot of... um, a lot of benefits um, to that for sure that's great so when it comes to showtime are you going to have to do anything different with your guests are you checking vaccinations how does that all work for that's a really good question um we uh, we spent a lot of time i bet wondering and and not not just wondering researching planning speculating Mm -hmm. what what are we going to what are we going to be facing when we get back to business um that all evolved with the announcements that the state made on June 15 mm-hmm. uh, and specific to live performances and gatherings um, based on our size facility, uh, based on the fact that we're outdoors, uh, masks are not required mm-hmm. for um, vaccinated guests. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will be asking uh, unvaccinated guests to wear masks mm-hmm. um, and then uh, vaccination cards and um and negative tests are not going to be required. Yeah, not yeah. at that level. Yeah, absolutely. Um, employees will you will have similar criteria for employees based on all the uh, the Cal OSHA guidance, and then of course that is all um, that's all depending on when that show gets here and yeah. if rules and guidance changes between now and then. So as it has so many times, it's, it's been pretty pretty <laughs> pretty consistently. Uh, you know, week to week, we we follow it daily, frankly. Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of it. That's great. That's mm-hmm. great. So are things going to be different for venues that are indoors, do you think, for the, the performing venues? Sure. I mean, there, there, there's a criteria that, that goes along with indoor venues um, of certain sizes, uh, what they call a mega event, uh, which I believe is over 10,000. Um, so all of these different steps, um, there are, are slightly different requirements for each of those types of venues. Mm-hmm. So. so again, we're fortunate not yeah. only to to be at this beautiful facility, but to live where we live, where the weather is amazing right, and right. to have our restaurants be able to be outdoors. And sure. We've been really fortunate. Yeah. There's no, there's no shortage of activity and, and, and people are, you know, after, after staying home for all that time, mm-hmm. um, are interested in getting back in, in it as long as it's a safe, safe yeah. environment. Yeah, for sure. absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. What well, sure feels safe out here. Yeah. In, in <laughs> right. Beautiful wilderness up in the, up in the hills here. <laughs> Um, so you anticipate next year's going to be really busy. Um, mm-hmm. What sort of uh, calendar of activities do you anticipate? Do you anticipate twice as many shows? Well, we can do 37 events per year. Um, right. And we traditionally, for the last five or so years, have, have been right around that mark, very close to it or met that mark. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see that being any different for 2022. Um, we've already had a show go on sale with Lord that went on sale for May of 2022 has already sold out mm-hmm. for 2022. Um, I think that's, that, that's what we're going to be looking at for the next year. That's great. I'm really excited to see what's coming. Yeah. Um, so do you anticipate any sort of, uh, economic impacts as a result of this kind of lost 18 months, um, on, on your facility or, or the performing, um, arts in general? I think everybody has suffered from it, and and uh, again, uh, you know, it varies uh, case by case, and and uh, sadly, some of those smaller venues or organizations that that weren't able to sustain uh, are having to go out of business. Um, in the case of the Santa Barbara Bull Foundation, uh, we did we did spend time planning uh, and and building up those reserves. 
uh, it will take us uh, a while to build those reserves back up, mm-hmm. but um, but we needed to rely on that during that time. So uh, it allowed us to retain our, our full-time staff, uh, which was important to our board of directors and our organization so that when we did reopen, which mm-hmm. is now, mm-hmm. um, we would have that team in place and we weren't looking uh, elsewhere to, to replace all those individuals. So. Uh, yeah, it'll be it'll be a little bit of a slow recovery, mm-hmm. uh, but again, through the the generosity of, of the donors and the community, we're, we're so fortunate and we're so grateful of being able to still be here. That's great. That's fantastic. Um, in terms of kind of the broader perspective, do you foresee that um, the COVID nineteen pandemic is going to change anything about the live music uh, industry, or has it changed already? Oh gosh, I mean, I, mean, I, th- I think I think just the arts in general, whether it be theater mm-hmm. or, um, or, uh, or, or live music, that sort of thing. Um, it's just an awareness, awareness of, of um, attending events and, and what's required. Uh, I think a lot of venues have, have stepped up their best practices, whether it be from a, a sanitizing standpoint uh, mm-hmm. or, a, or a process standpoint through their ticketing uh, uh, processes and things like that. Uh, it's. I think everybody's looking at at all aspects of what yeah. we do and just trying, always trying to improve. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I love going to restaurants now because I can look at the menu as long as I want to by just scanning the QR code. <laughs> well, no, I know it's it's a different mindset and and people's tolerance for um, it it still varies. You know, mm-hmm. everybody has a different uh, patience level for for being asked to do different things mm-hmm. that things that they're comfortable with. But um, you know, I just I see a lot of in, uh, room for improvements. Yeah. 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 And you know, in these, in these group settings, you, you didn't think prior to COVID about how many times you probably come into contact with other people's germs. <laughs> sure, sure, sure. And that's always been a thing, right? Yeah. I mean, that's always, you've always, you know, if you gather with a number of people, mm-hmm. that, but, but, you know, the idea is to create a safe environment. Yeah. And, um, and we believe that that's, that's what we're, you know, we have here at the bowl um, yeah. and and that's everybody's goal everybody wants Absolutely. You know, to be able to get back in a safe fashion and not just the venues themselves but i think people are smarter now i know my kids finally know how to wash their hands right <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's part of it yeah yeah no question about it so <laughs> that's fantastic uh, are there any other um, stories or anecdotes you want to share about the last 18 months and the impact on the bowl oh gosh i mean i, I think in some ways it seems like it hasn't been 18 months at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but then when you really look at the calendar and, and, and you look at some of the progress that was made, you know, whether it be through construction projects or, or supporting the performing arts that we talked about, um, there has been a lot of success there. Um, it, it just, the simple fact that we haven't done any performances since uh, 2019, October of 2019, uh, we're, we're ready. We're ready to get back to it and, and host the community here in our venue. That's great. Yeah, that's great. So one last, uh, one last question here. Uh, what are you looking most forward to as things open up in the next month? Wow. Well, I, I've thought about this quite a bit in, in, in recent months and, um, so much about what we do is bringing the community together here at the Santa Barbara Bowl and those first shows and, and the thought of, you know, not only the team, the volunteers and the staff that, that put on the events being here, uh, which total upwards of, you know, 300 per event, uh, but also the community coming here and again, being able to visit in the plaza and see their mm-hmm. friends and family and uh, folks that they know in, in the seats. Um, uh, the 
moment the the lights go down that first night, it's gonna be it's gonna be fantastic. Yeah. So and then I think it'll just it'll just build from there for the rest of the season. Yeah, not to date myself, but <laughs> we just bought tickets to go see Oingo Boingo in October. Oingo Boingo, <laughs> see that's great, that's exciting. Yeah, oh, <laughs> I wish it, it'd, it'd be nice to do them here. They played here a number of times. Yes. Yeah, a long time it's ago. It's been a long time since they <laughs> right. since they have. In fact, they did a last show, so I'm not sure what this one is. Yeah, all about. yeah, that's a good question. But if you could get them, them yeah, here, yeah, then, get, bring them up. Yeah, yeah there we go. <laughs> well, thank you so much for your time today, sure. Rick, and thank you to our listeners who have joined us today. Mm-hmm. Um, you can learn more about the Santa Barbara Bowl by visiting sbbowl.com. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about American Riviera Bank, visit us on the web at AmericanRiviera.Bank. Thanks again for listening. Everybody.